Hey lovely freaks and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Amanda. And I'm Hannah. And if you're new here, hi, welcome. If you like things strange and unusual and true crime, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button. You can also head down to the link below and you will see our link tree link that will take you to all of our social media like Instagram and Facebook and all that jazz. And all that jazz. <laughs> yes. So we are back. I feel like we've been gone forever. Yeah. I don't know why. We, we miss a week and I feel like it's a decade. <laughs> um. So anywho... But we have a special announcement. So we have someone that we are going to help advertise. It is a business on Etsy. And if you are on our Instagram, then you know that we did already advertise this business on our Instagram. But we're going to advertise it again right here. All this information will be in the links down below. So don't forget to go down there to see all of it and click all of it. And there should be... I'll, I'll put a link to this person's, um, to this business's Instagram page. <clears throat> so we recently decided to do a advertisement for this company called Levi Royce. Yeah, I said that right. Okay. Yeah, that's to say you said it right. <laughs> for some reason, my brain was like, you didn't say that right. Um, Yeah. This is a company that makes, and we actually got a package in the mail from them. They make all different kinds of things that are genuine leather, mm -hmm. um, made out of leather. We got wallets, we got earrings, we got a little bitty um, keychain key yeah. things and uh, key fob holders. And they were super awesome, you guys. And they're so yeah. cute. Um, we really, really, really liked their products. Hannah is wearing some of their earrings right now. Yeah. And I wore some the other day, and she's been wearing them all week, oh, just yeah. about. <laughs> I've been going out, and everybody has been complimenting Complimenting them, yeah. And then I'll, like, I'll be like, hey, smell it. And they're like, what? Because it smell smells it. like it smells leather. So yeah. good. They're like, oh, my God, it smells so good. And I was yeah. like, I know. <laughs> if you like the smell of leather, they smell like leather. Everything does. I've been using the wallet, and I really like it a lot. Um, it keeps all my cards, and it's really, like, I've ha I have a bigger wallet, but I put, like, all my cards in there and everything mm -hmm. else but I put the cards that I use most of the time in this little wallet and it's great because I can just grab it and walk into a store if I need to I don't have to carry my whole purse or nothing like that so anywho um the products are genuine leather there's lots of different styles there's like modern western rocker styles um some of the earrings that we got were solid black and they were triangular and they had like studs on them so that was really yeah. cool um, some of them were kind of like feathers. You can visit their Instagram. We'll put a link down below to visit their Instagram. And, of course, that will take you... If you go to their Instagram, it'll take you to their Etsy page. And, uh, yeah, really affordable. I really liked all the stuff that we got. The care package that he sent us. Um, the packaging he sent us was super awesome. It was really cute. Um, it's all American-made, obviously, the owner did say that he was going to start making luggage tags and clutch, like little clutch purses eventually. Yeah, so cool. I thought that was really cool too. Um, so there's also a code that you guys can use to um, get 15% off, I believe it is. Yeah, 15% off. Ooh, cool. Free domestic shipping and use on a purchase over $35 if used on a purchase over $35 and the code gives you 15% off the code is lovely freaks so 
super easy to remember that. Of course, all this information, once again, will be down below. So hopefully you didn't skip over this part. <laughs> but yeah, just look down below and you can use the code LOVELYFREAKS to get 15% off at this at on the Etsy shop Levi Royce Etsy. Okay, so we're going to start talking about Luke Woodham. And for those of you that don't know who that is, because you're probably like, who is that? So this is actually a school shooting that happened literally where we're at right now um, because I live in this town. But um, we also, I was, this happened in 97. So I believe I was in second or third grade. I think it was third grade. Um, maybe it might have been second grade. I don't know. I think I know this one, but I don't know like the whole story. Yeah, you weren't born yet, obviously. Mm -hmm. But this wasn't too long after, I mean, you weren't born too long after this. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. Anyways, so this happened in Pearl, Mississippi, um, where is actually now where, you know, I live, and this isn't where I grew up, and this is not where Hannah lives, but, um, you know, it's just crazy. I knew this story, and I know this story. Not a lot of people do know this story, but um, I knew it because I was in the same school district, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, all of it's Rankin County. And so we were all in the same school district. And I remember when this happened, I was young, but you know how, like, if it's something tragic, like, you still remember yeah. it. Like, I still remember 9 11, and I was young then, too. I mean, I was 10, so, um, or 11, 12, I don't know. <laughs> Some people are going to be like, no, you weren't 10. Uh, I was somewhere in that vicinity. But anywho, so this was a school shooting that happened in 1997. And we're going to kind of talk about Luke Woodham, and then we'll talk about, um, you know, the day that it happened. And there's just a whole bunch to unwrap here. So, let's get started. So, Luke Woodham was born February 5th, 1981. Um, also, I don't have a lot of things written about this. I'm just going to read from different articles, plus I'm going to read, like, I'm just going to talk about okay. things that I remember. Because I talked to, like... Our mother works with someone that um, knew him. Um, mm -hmm. Then she, so she kind of told me, you know, some things. And then um, my mother-in-law also remembers things. And then I had an aunt that remembered some things. So we're just kind of going to talk about it and all that. Um, so Luke Woodham, he kind of grew up as a loner child, I guess you could say. Um, his parents got divorced because they fought a lot and they finally got a divorce I believe he was in sixth grade when they got a divorce um so they just they just fought a lot Luke's childhood was pretty lonely he would claim that he suffered from depression starting at age eight his father John Wooden Woodham Wooden John Woodham Jr. Mm -hmm. um he described Luke kind of said that he was never really there not really not really you know i mean he was kind of there but kind of not yeah. um his feelings towards his mother were pretty complicated the relationship in luke's eyes was devoid of any love and he confessed to classmates that he actually like hated his mom and you'll mm -hmm. kind of see that that's true later on <laughs> um he said that his mother would just go to work 
she was a single mom, so obviously she was going to go to work every day. But he, he would say that she would go to work, go to work all day, come home for a little bit, and then go out with friends and, like, leave her, leave him at home. Like, so she wouldn't spend any time with him. Yes, is what he said. Um, he also said that she would blame him for her and her father, her and his father's divorce. I'm not, I'm not sure why she would do that. Um, but yeah, that's just something that, that she says. He also had a brother who was eight years older than him. His name was John Wooden. Woodham. I keep saying Wooden. I don't know why. John Woodham the third. Mm-hmm. Um, at school, Luke, however, was pretty bullied constantly, starting early as early as early. As early as. As early as. Yeah. There we go. Kindergarten. Uh, it's been a week and I can't talk. Jeez. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so, yeah. He was bullied pretty heavily. Many of, many of his classmates would call him, like, weird. They'd call him chunky, tubby, because he was kind of an overweight kid. And you know how kids can be. Um, yeah. You know, bullying's not a new thing. And especially back then, it was something that, not like today, is you can seriously get in trouble for. Like, back then, it was like. You know, stop whatever. doing that, Timmy. You know, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, as school progressed, the bullying just got worse, and it reached a point where it started to become physical. Um, obviously, he would get beat up on. Luke's grades started reflecting that because he kind of just gave up. Uh, his grades would sink lower and lower to where he had to repeat ninth grade all over again. His writing assignments also, like, would show that he was really dark and disturbed in mm-hmm. some of his writing assignments he would like one of his writing assignments which it was he was descri- he was to describe if you were to live one day in the life as a teacher um you know what would that day be like and luke said quote i would go crazy and kill all of the other teachers after this he would he also said quote slowly and very painfully torture all of the principals to death. The last sentence of the assignment read, quote, I would get a gun and blow my brains out all over the doggone room and leave my house to Luke Woodham. End quote. Damn. So yeah, um, also little thing, uh, this was the first school shooting to ever happen by a um, student. Hmm. So yeah, we, we made the news there. Um, here in little old Mississippi. This was the first school shooting that ever been done by a, a student. Most of, before this, there had been some parents that had maybe killed a teacher in class because they were mad or something. Yeah. Or um, I think at one point there was a bombing at a school. But this was the this was the one that set a chain of events because you no, know, as as we know after this, I mean, it happens teachers pretty look, frequently. Though. Yeah, teachers look at things like that a little bit more intensely, especially you know if you were to write something about that in class today, yeah. I mean, you'd be sent to, like, alternative Back then school. it was like, oh, Jimmy, stop. Yeah. He's so dark. Man, when you talk to his parents. He's such an emo. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, he... Yeah, so that, that was pretty much his whole childhood. I mean, he got bullied a lot. He was a overweight kid with glasses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people just really... Took everything out. Did he have a lot of yeah. friends? No, not really. Mm-hmm. But we are going to talk about some a girl that he did start dating. And she's one of his victims. But they ended up breaking up. And we'll kind of go into that. 
So what? How old is he right now? Like how old? When did he? How oh, he old was, was he when he he was sixteen. Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he had short brown hair. He was chubby. He had glasses. Um, and he was sixteen when you know he did this. So. Yeah. So we're going to kind of start with the morning that it happened. Um, The assistant band director of Pearl, Jeff Cannon, he was on duty in the commons area in the morning, kind of like making sure everybody was getting into class. And at Pearl High School, they still have like this. They have teachers out front and everybody's just coming in and you're, you know, just kind of looking around, making sure nothing's going on, nothing sketchy. Now at Pearl High School and at all the Pearl schools, actually, um, they have police officers there 24 7 i mean it's it's pretty intense (laughs) um and that kind of started after this there's also at pearl high school there's kind of like an area like police officers even stay in the um in the uh, office yeah so i mean it's not like you just have one barney fife cop you know yeah. um there it's pretty it's pretty heavy presence here in pearl and it, and it started happening after this obviously yeah. um so yeah he was just making sure everybody was getting to class i mean pearl high school's pretty huge uh, my sister-in-law graduated from there and i believe she had maybe like 400 500 in our graduating class so yeah it's pretty large um as he was scanning faces through the crowd, Luke Wooden was entering the door, and he noticed that Luke had a long overcoat on. Now, nowadays, once again, with all the school shootings and everything, you I don't even think you can wear long overcoats now. Like, you yeah. know, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Those... You know, like Daddy's got the yeah, trench coat. Trench coat. Yeah. You can't even wear those now, I don't think, in school. No, I, I'm not I know sure in school we couldn't. Um... So he noticed that he was wearing that, but he thought, okay, no big deal, you know. New fashion trend. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, it was a long blue, blue trench coat thing. Mm-hmm. He, he did. He did make a mental note that he thought it was odd because it was cooler outside. It was like in the seventies, but this was still this was in October. So I mean, during the day in yeah. October, it's still Wasn't like in the eighties, nineties. Yeah. It could I mean, be. It could cold. be summer weather still yeah. here in Mississippi. Mississippi, yeah, for sure. Um. But, you know, he wrote it off, and he didn't think too much of it. But when the first shot rang out at 8.06 a.m., um, Jeff Cannon suspected that the... He thought that the JRTC was firing shots. Because, see, at Pearl football games, whenever they do a touchdown, they shoot off their weapons. The JRTC does. So he thought, okay, that's probably... Just, you know, somebody doing a practice or accidentally went off or something like that. And they're probably outside. Um, Little did he know, though, that was the first shot that actually shot in the neck of Christina Menifee. If I said that name wrong, I'm so sorry. She got shot in point-blank range in the lower neck by Luke Woodham. Mm -hmm. Um, Christina was actually dating Luke. They had been dating for months prior, and Christina, her father, would say that she was, she felt sorry for Luke. Like, they they were they were really good friends yeah. starting off with, but she kind of felt sorry for him, and they kind of started dating. 
he, Luke, quickly became, like, infatuated with her. And this was the first girlfriend he had ever had. He would write her notes and love letters and just all this other stuff. And so, he wrote a note stating one time that um, his life had only begun when he met her. Like, that's how intense it was. (laughs) Yeah. So, when they broke up, he was devastated. And she was the first person to get shot by Luke. And I'll kind of explain, like, how they broke up and all that. So, Cannon was searching by this point, you know, after he realized it wasn't the GRTC. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Cannon, the, the director, he was kind of searching for where this shot was coming out from. He, he wasn't sure. And then he laid eyes on Luke. Once the situation clicked into his brain, he began to scream and ordered everyone that would listen to him to run. Um, Lydia Dew, who was standing beside Christina, mm-hmm. she was shot as well um, in an attempt to get away. Luke aimed the rifle at her back and fired. Luke later confessed that he didn't know why he shot Lydia. Um, the girl was remembered as a ray of happiness and sunshine and she was just really sweet she was also christina's friend and um you know those were the two fatalities of this story because he shot he shot those two girls and then um he injured i believe he injured six more or seven more we'll get there so he also killed his mom okay so how many did he kill just two Two, he okay. killed two, two of the, those two girls, but he injured a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Um, after shooting the two g- girls, Luke began random fire. So he just began, like, shooting up the floor, just anything. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Wiggins, a sophomore, took a bullet to the hip, and it shattered her hip. It would take multiple surgeries and extensive recovery. Jeff, Jerry, safely? was struck in the leg while trying to protect his girlfriend. Um, strangely, Luke walked over to Safely after he shot him, and he was, like, apologizing. He was like, oh, Jerry, I'm sorry. I didn't recognize you. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Luke, he said later on that he was mistaken. He thought he was the mayor's son. He was going to shoot the mayor's son and kill him just yeah. for shock value. So he thought okay. he was him, and he was like, Oh, I'm so sorry, you know. Like, that makes wow. it better. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're good, dude. <laughs> so, so sorry, bro. Um, Alan Westbrook, and he also uh, got shot. And he got shot so bad in the back that um, the band director actually thought that he was dead because his back was just mangled. Luckily, Alan did survive. He had to have lots of surgeries, and I believe he was paralyzed for... A couple of years and he had to like relearn how to walk and everything but he's oh. still alive today and he's actually i don't know him um but you know f- friends on facebook but <laughs> there's friends on facebook that mm-hmm. i'm friends with that know him you know the mutual friend thing yeah and i i noticed that and i was like oh okay so um he he graduated from pearl bow so he did continue school people were lying everywhere and bleeding one student said Everybody looked dead. Another student said, these are just some quotes from students that, you know, came out of there. After firing multiple rounds, Luke's rifle jammed. After a short time of fooling with his gun, Luke gave up and ran out of school. When Luke was out of sight, Cannon, 
the band director, mm-hmm. began to follow the blood trail leading into the commons of the band hall. There he found three of his band students who had been hit by shrapnel. So as he's shooting up the school, shrapnel, because, you know, if he's shooting at the ground, there's pieces of uh, brick that are flying everywhere. Yeah. So shrapnel's like hitting kids left and right. So if you don't get hit by a bullet, most of these kids got hit with like different shards and shards stuff. And stuff. Well, they still survived, luckily. Yeah, but, but it really hurt. Yeah, it really hurt. Um, so there's a book... And in this book, it's called If Only I Had Known. While the shooting was taking place, the assistant principal, Joel Myrick, was running out of the school towards his truck to get his Colt 45 um, handgun. So, another thing, kids. Um, back in the day, <laughs> um, you could have a gun on premises of school. And a lot of teachers did have guns, you know, in their truck or something like that. Um so, you know, it's, it, if you're wondering, like, how, why the hell does this assistant principal have a gun on premises? Well, they didn't start doing that until after this and all the other school shootings. Then they started making it to where you couldn't bring a gun on campus at all. Once at his vehicle, um, he witnessed Luke coming out of the doors of the school. So then Joel screamed for Luke to stop, but Luke continued to walk towards his Chevy um, I don't know if it was a car or a truck or what it was. It was white. I think it was a Chevy car. Still not listening. Joel climbed into the Chevy. No, he was still not. Sorry. He was still not listening. And then uh, Luke just continued to climb into the Chevy. He closed the door and he started to like leave. Mm-hmm. The closing of the door snapped Joel into action. He knew that he couldn't let Luke escape the premises of the school because Pearl Elementary was only a few miles away. And he thought, okay, my son goes to that school and if he's going there, like, and I think Luke even said it after all this, he admitted that he was pissing to go to the junior high and that was the next place he was going to shoot up and then so on and so forth. Hmm. While attempting to drive away, Luke got stuck behind another car in the parking lot at a stop sign. He was honking his horn and driving and trying to back up and pass and go around this like erratic. As he continued down the road, Joel stood yards away pointing his gun towards the car. Mm-hmm. Woodham was, Luke was an unskilled and unlicensed driver. So he never had, he didn't have his driver's license and he didn't really ever drive. And he didn't know that he had left the emergency brake on his car. So there were skid marks from the school all the way down to where he was going. Startled by the sight of Joel and his gun, Luke swerved off the road and because his emergency was break his emergency brake was still on, he lost control because of the dew in the grass and his car stopped down the embankment near the edge of the road. So basically this assistant principal helped control. stop him. Yeah. Because he would have drove straight to another place. Yeah. Um, Joel yelled at Luke. He said, quote, don't move or I'll blow your head off. And, um, which I thought was really cool. I mean, yeah, I would. Um, 
And then he noticed that Luke's breathing was exasperated and he was just like out of breath. And then there was, you know, of course he saw the rifle in the seat next to him. And then whilst he was still, he still had the pistol aimed at um, Luke. Luke laid there and Joel asked him, why are you killing my kids? End quote. And then uh, Luke responded. He said, quote, the world, was, the world has wronged me and I couldn't take it anymore. End quote. Joel said, wait till you get to Parchman Penitentiary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, it, um, after this, the police came and took Luke away. And his reign of terror only lasted 10 minutes. But for most of the kids, it felt like a lifetime. Um, of course, the news crews were there. I remember we got pulled out of school. Um, we weren't even in the vicinity of the same school. You know, we yeah. were all in Rankin County, but all the Rankin County schools got let out that day. Um, just, it of was crazy. because you get scared. Like, what if there's a group of them? What if they're in something? Yeah, what if yeah. they're all, you know, different kids at different schools? You know, you just don't know. I remember and mom thought it was a terrorist attack at first. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Stuff like that just doesn't happen. Yeah, Yeah. never thought it would just be a student. Mm -hmm. Um, the parents asked the teachers, please tell me it wasn't one of mine, like, when they came up Mm -hmm. to, like, get their kids, um, because, you know, nobody knew. There was news crews everywhere, there was police everywhere, um, I don't remember, I just remember, I don't think mom told me what happened, because I was still little, but I do remember her them pulling us out of school and us like having the day off so yeah um it was just crazy so luke when they get him back um he was dressed in a black t-shirt and black pants so he was dressed in all black and of course he lost his trench coat somewhere i don't know where but pearl detective aaron hirschfield i believe that's how you say that yeah looks right um was the one that was, you know, asking him questions and everything like that. And they didn't know that he had killed his mother. Wouldn't, would him, I keep saying wouldn't every time. I don't know why I want to say wouldn't. Luke first began by explaining the death of his mother, Mary Ann Woodham. He says that he had placed a pillow over her head and stabbed her to death while his mother had been stabbed this would only tell part of the story and you know i'll tell later on what actually happened that day but luke said quote she always she always never loved me that threw me for a loop end quote um because <laughs> i was like she always never loved me that was off yeah he also said quote she always told me i wouldn't amount to anything and she always told me that i was fat stupid and lazy now I don't know to what... I couldn't ever find anything. Like, I was trying to find out if maybe, you know, if anybody else had talked about her and, like, maybe she didn't say those things. Maybe he just said all those said things. All those things. Yeah. He did get di- diagnosed by a psychologist later on for, um, you know, being crazy. Crazy. Um, <laughs> and very disturbed. <clears throat> so, did she say those things? I don't know. Um... I don't know anyone in the community that knew her well that I could have talked to either to try to find out, you know, mm-hmm. if 
if she was a crappy mom or if he just was emo was yeah. emo and felt like very crazy nobody wants me um he said that he didn't want to kill his mother and that he loved his mother very much and he would do that a lot like in one breath he would say that he loved his mom and he didn't want to do this stuff and another breath he would say that he did and it was just back and forth and back and forth mm-hmm. um so now we're going to kind of talk about the satanic cult that is brought up into this i know i saw your face you're like what (laughs) okay so well i will say you know i told you about his girlfriend christina yeah um so that was pretty much the only thing that he said you know that was the only reason that he was alive um he said he loved her more than anything on this earth, and I actually had someone to love me for the first time in my life. But Luke became very controlling with Christina, and that's mm-hmm. kind of why they broke up. I mean, um, he would all—he wouldn't want her to spend any time with her friends, and he would always think like she was abandoning him if he would go spend time with his friends. Um, yeah, so he made it clear that he wanted Christina just for himself, and. You know, nobody else. How long were they together? I don't think they dated very long. Um, A couple months or a month. Christina, well, his his mom would also, like, accompany them on dates. Mm -hmm. Like, she would go on dates with them. And they were, like, 16, you know. So, when I was 16, my mom didn't. She would, like, drop us off at the movies and that was that, you know. Um, So, she did say that Miss Woods was kind of possessive and suffocated Luke a bit too much, which... That's weird, because he's... Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. So, he's saying that she was never there, she, hate, she didn't She him, hated him, and but, all this stuff. But you know, she's doing that. The girlfriend said, yeah. told his, told her, um, her friends, and, like, oh, her God. dad, and everything, you know, that it was just weird how much she was, like... Controlling? Controlling, and wanted to... I think he's lying. Yeah. I did, too. I think he, she just didn't cut off the crust on his peanut butter jelly. So he was like, you don't love me. You don't love me, mom. Um, so he just said that after their breakup, he didn't eat. He didn't sleep. He didn't want to live. It destroyed me is what he says. Well, take your own life. Um, he said that he did try to commit. He thought about committing suicide or he attempted it. I'm not sure. He said he stuck a gun in his mouth. Why he didn't pull the trigger? I don't know. Um, I have no sympathy for him in case you can't tell. So... Why would you take other people's life if you're in pain? Like, that's something you shouldn't do. So, Luke had, once again, after they broke up, found himself alone. But that didn't last very long because then he met Grant Boyette. And we're going to kind of talk about that. So... Boyette came into his life at the time when he was spiraling out of control. Um, Christina had just broke up with him, like I said, and he was just facing this life all on his own. And this is when he met Grant. So, Grant was described as like, uh, he, well, let me guess, wanna be bad boy? Not really, no. No? Um, that's what I was expecting. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Grant had a good reputation. Oh. Um, he came from an upstanding family. His parents being deacons at a community church and were very involved in church. He also went to Sunday school, and Sunday school teachers mm. would say that he was a quiet, polite Christian boy. Um, but in reality, he was kind of leading like a double life. So someone that my mother works with, she, um, this person actually went to church with Luke. The guy? Luke Woodham. Oh, really? And they were kind of close. They were getting kind of close. And yeah. then he was in church and, you know, the person that my mom works with, um, it's a, it's a man. And he mm. said that they were, you know, becoming friends and all that. And then all of a sudden he met this guy and mm. uh, just kind of took a turn for the worst, I guess you could say. Because according to his inner circle of friends, Mr. Grant Boyette was known to have a temper and would sometimes grab them by the neck. And he would say, like, angry, mean things to them. Like, don't make me do this. I don't want to do this. Like, while he was choking them. He also had a fascination with Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Always grand. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Get better idols. <laughs> yeah. He liked philosophy and things like that. Um, and he also had a fascina fascination with Satanism. Another childhood friend said that Grant, who wanted to remain... This childhood friend wanted to remain anonymous. Anonymous, yeah. Said that... Um, confessed that he had not was not surprised when later it came out that Grant dabbled in Satanism. Boyette, who had also been a victim of bullying, had formed a group of misfits that called themselves the Croth. I'm not exactly sure how you say that. The Croth? K-R-O-T-H. That sounds like... Sounds Kroth. like that's what it says. I tried to look it up to see how you said it, but couldn't figure that out. So, whatever. So... It was a group? I'm it's like a group of misfits. Okay. Here's the thing. A so, band. Yeah. A band. Um, this was during the, like, satanic panic type thing back in the 90s. Oh, uh, so, like, so the this was when, was out and yeah. everything. Yeah. And Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails and all this crap. Uh, that what's all his the, name? Yeah. Who? Uh, Rob Zombie? No. Well, all the parents. Marilyn. Marilyn. I said Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was thinking, I don't know why I was thinking Marilyn, uh... Monroe? No. I don't know. Anyway. So, anyways, these boys were listening to that music, and so, you know, people around here, I'm sure, <laughs> were like, oh, they're just devil-worshipping Satan psychos or something like that. Yeah. Um, does that mean that they didn't do any of this? Absolutely not. That just does. I'm just wanting people to understand that you can listen to Marilyn Manson and not be a Satanist because I used to do it when I was little or exactly. not little, younger. Yeah, <laughs> little like and I'm he 80. I don't think Anyways. he supports that. What Marilyn Manson? Because I know in an interview he said that somebody committed suicide um, while listening to his music, and then people were like, "Oh, it's the devil! The devil made him commit suicide and all this other stuff." And he was like, "No, I don't. I'm, yeah, I'm not like that. I don't like the devil and everything like that." Yeah. I'm just an artist. So the name Boyette told his friends had come, the name of the uh, cult or this group had come to him, had come, come from his father, Satan, his real father, the mm. master of high demon activity. That's what um, they always say. Yeah. 
So, Luke did not know that Boyette, he claimed that he didn't know that Boyette had tendencies for cruelty and that he was like a Satanist and would pray to Satan and all this stuff. Um, and that Grant offered Luke an invitation to join the clique and Luke said that he was hesitant to do it. Now, mm -hmm. how much of that is true? I have no idea because he tends to lie a lot. Um, to Luke, though, Grant was simply a doorway of a companionship. I mean, this was like a way to have friends and, you know, hang out with people and stuff like that. So he wasn't really looking at it as, I'm going to join this cult and do satanic shit. You know? Yeah. Uh, Luke's new life in the Croth, however, it was pretty simple. There was like seven members. They would hang out and... Like, play video games, listen to Marilyn Manson, like I said, listen to rock music. Um, they would also read philosophy books. Some teachers even said, and some friends even said, that they had noticed there was kind of benefits to him being in this group because he kind of got a little more into, like, um, Aristotle and Plato and he would read, like, Russian novels and stuff like that. Luke, okay. yeah. And it even helped, like, his grades come up. Yeah. Only after spending some time with Luke, and once he began to um, kind of become a member of this, I'm not going to say cult or satanic group, whatever you want to call it, Boyette let him in on a secret. He told him that he prayed to Satan. He said, quote, Satan's chosen you to be a part of my group, end quote. He also said, you have the potential to do something great. The potential to do something that nobody else has because your mind is so powerful. That's what he was telling Luke. According to Luke, there was only one boy, a friend of theirs named Danny, who regularly talked down to him. Like, talked to Luke in like a crappy manner. Yeah. And Luke didn't like this. And Grant told him, okay, well, I have an idea. Grant went over to Luke's house and he opened up the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead. Mm -hmm. The book is, like, filled with myths and rituals and stuff like that. And Grant used it to cast a spell on Danny, this boy that kept, like, talking down to Luke. So, Luke messed up while they were, like, doing the spell or whatever. And while Grant was reciting a spell, Luke was thinking of different of a different boy that he didn't like, and his name was Rocky. And Luke said that he was kind of thinking, like, you know, how he wanted Rocky just to die. Like, he was like, okay, I just want Rocky to die. You know, I hate this kid or something like that. Well, after this spell that they were doing, 30 minutes later, Danny the boy that they were supposed to be doing the spell on yeah. walks in and Danny said have you heard the news and they were like what and he said Rocky died and they were like That's what freaky. and he said while Ro while Rocky was walking across Lakeland Drive at night he got struck by a vehicle obviously there's an explanation for this it was dark nobody could see him he was in like black I mean yeah. it happens uh, but Luke took this differently and in his eyes he noticed that he was like Oh, all shit. powerful. I'm powerful. awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, and, um, 
this confirmed his belief. See, if that as happened a to me, I would be scared shitless, and I'd yeah. never do enough. I'd be like, okay, I need to go lay so down. And- after this, he was like, oh shit, Satanism is awesome. I can kill people by doing it. First of all, full disclaimer. I'm not saying if you're a Satanist, you kill people. I'm just saying that that's what he thought, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so don't come for me. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, that that was what he thought. After this um, was when he pretty much... There were some times in court that he would say that a demon was making him do this. Like, he summoned a demon and that's why he was... <sighs> Psycho no, he and killed all these to, people. Yeah, he just wanted to. That is an excuse, I feel like, and wanted the court. He wanted the court to think he was crazy, so he could like get. Yeah, less he did time. Plead crazy at one point. Uh, of um, so, an incident was recounted in Luke's diary, and the intro, the entry, like title said, mm-hmm. "quote On Saturday, at of last week, I made my first kill." End quote. Um, it was a loved one, Luke says, and this is going to get a little graphic. If you don't like the thought of dogs being murdered, please skip past this point. Um, Luke took his shidzu into the woods, stuffed her in a book bag, beat her while she was howling. Um, she had, he said in like, this is what he wrote in his entry, his diary and all that. And this is what he said later on. Um, he said that someone was with him, but he never would say who it was. Some people speculated that it was Boyette. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. So they laughed while they hit the dog repeatedly, broke all the bones in the dog's body. And while the dog was still alive and in the sack, they set it on fire. And oh then God. threw the book bag into a pond. Monsters. When they threw it into the pond, it says in his little diary, quote... I watched the bag sink. It was truly beautiful. End quote. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Such a douchebag. I know. Um, I don't have any sympathy for him at all. No. No, I don't either. So, one thing about his mom, and we're going to kind of talk about his mom's murder, because he just said that he put a pillow over her head and stabbed her. You know, like, that makes it any better. Mm-hmm. But... He had actually whispered to Lucas Thompson during a phone call the night before on September 30th, 1997. He whispered that he was going to kill his mom. He said, I'm going to kill my mom in the morning. Luke had whispered, according to Thomas, because Anne was in the house. That's what he said. Mm -hmm. To Thomas, though, he was kind of like, okay, this... He thought it was a joke. He thought it was just like what are you talking about? Like, he thought maybe he was mad at him or something like that. Um, He didn't really think anything. He didn't really think he was serious or anything like that. As he went to bed, Thomas didn't quite know that the conversation that was strange to him, um, that he didn't believe, was actually going to happen the next day. But Luke was already plotting. Sometime that evening, Luke unplugged the land phone um, in his mother's room. Mm-hmm. He hid in the closet in the kitchen. He did this according to the investigators. So that way she couldn't, like, call 911 or anything like that if she got away from him. Yeah. His mother was really pretty, by the way. Um, it was early the next morning on October 1st when Luke began to attack his mom. 
After her alarm clock went off at 5.30, she was getting ready to, like, go for a walk. She, she went for a jog every morning or something like that. So Luke hit her in the head with a baseball bat. The blows landed to her face, and one hit her below the eye, and the other hit her on the right cheek. Another hit her... Another would break her jaw. So he hit her, like, a lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. Um... Somehow, Mary managed to get back to her room and shut her door, but Luke broke her door down. And from the way that she was found on her bed, um, it looked as though... He also left the knife there. It was a, like a buck knife. So, he had stabbed her seven times. She had seven stab wounds and 11 slashes. And some of the slashes were actually injuries on like her palms and her fingers. So, that indicates that she was like defen- yeah. defense attacks, you know? Um, so yeah, could you fucking imagine that? Could you fucking imagine just like going to bed, everything's normal, and then my kid, like my kid, because mine's 13, I mean he's only got like a couple more years till he's 16, hell he could do it now because he's so damn big, but I just, living my best life, going to get my coffee, and then then, boom, like he hits her across the face and the head, and then I couldn't even imagine, like I could not even imagine, it's so heartbreaking. I would, I would, I'm sure she was screaming, what are you doing, like why are you doing this? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very confused, probably. Poor baby. You know, I don't know what happened in the household, but still, even if your mom does that, you don't do shit like that. You don't kill her just because of that. One of the stab wounds hit her um, right lung, one hit her left lung, and then one hit her heart, which they assumed was the final blow. However, they did determine that she bled for 20 to 30 minutes before her body went into shock, and she died. So, yeah, she sat there. For 20 to 30 minutes, which probably felt like mm. a lifetime. Yeah. Um, wondering what the fuck. And, you know, why did my son do this to me? Now, in court, uh, Luke was all teary-eyed when he was talking about this on the stand. And he just kept apologizing and saying that, you know, he didn't understand, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, this all happened. And then at 7.50, he grabbed the gun and then headed off to, uh, to school. On the bed, he left several items, including a bloody knife, a baseball cap, a camouflage gun cover, and obviously a Marilyn Manson CD. Because, you know, that just makes everything better. Throwing that in there. This is why I did what I did. That was a big thing after this, too. Like, that was when... Yeah, I think I heard about that. That was when, like, people were, like, demanding that Marilyn Manson, like, get off, like, stop. And yeah. then, uh, you know, just all the... Uh, video games and just everybody was like if your kid plays video games shooting people they're gonna shoot people in real life and I'm like no it's not it they're not (laughs) um but then so there's also another guy that was involved with this his name Mm -hmm. was Justin Justin Sledge um he actually got handed a piece of paper that uh it was a manifesto, basically, of what he was fisting to do, what Luke was fisting to do the okay. the day. So, like, Luke goes in school, mm-hmm. he hands Justin this piece of paper, and Justin reads it, and then goes and hides somewhere. Like, in the... Just goes and hides. So, he just tells him... It was a confession. It was also a will. Like, what, what he wanted him to do if he died during this. Like, if the police came and he got shot yeah. up. And Justin... They didn't immediately arrest him. But, um, because, like, he was on news and stuff like that, and then they kind of realized that he wasn't it, wasn't part of it, but, you know, he could have stopped it. Yeah, he literally <laughs> could have, like, ran out, got a teacher or something. Yeah. 
So this is um, Luke Woodham's manifesto written the morning of the shooting. And it ends with a statement, Grant, see you in the holding cell. So I'm going to read it. It says, I am not insane. Insane. I am angry. The world has shit on me for the final time. I am not spooled or lazy for murdering. For murder, it. For murder is for not murder weak. For murder is not weak <laughs> and slow witted. Murder is gutsy and daring. <laughs> okay, no, whatever. It's not. I killed because people like me are mistreated every day. I did this to show society push us and we would push back. I suffered my whole life. No one ever truly loved me. No one ever truly cared about me. That's why our mom chaperones you and dates, but okay. I only loved one thing in my in my whole world, in my whole life, and that was Christina Menifee. And I'm sure she broke up with him just because, like, she was tired of it. And she probably was just like, yeah, I think we should just break up. Probably. And, and if probably you loved her, why did you kill like, her? Why? And she was just like, okay. <laughs> just, like, patted his back. Like, all right. But she was tore away from me. Let me continue. Okay, um, I tried to save myself. I tried to save myself with what? Whatever. But she never cared for me. As it turns out, she made fun of me behind my back while we were together. And all throughout my life, I was ridiculed. Always beaten. Always hated. I will admit, don't bully kids. Because yeah, that's, that's fucked true. up. Yeah. Can you, society, truly blame me for what I did? Yes, you will. The, rate, the ratings wouldn't be high enough if you didn't. And it would not make good gossip for all of the old ladies. <laughs> But I shall tell you one thing. I am... I am what? How old? I don't know. know Because I am miserable. Basically, he's saying I'm bad because I'm miserable. The world has beaten me. Wednesday the 1st, 1997. um, Shall go down in history. He's talking about October the 1st. As the day that I fought back. At this time, Grant, say what you will... When you are through, I will ask you to read. They will, when you are through, I will ask you to read them this section. One, two, five. Of the gay of science. Of the gay science. Oh, it's a book. Uh, Grant, see you in the holding cell. Whew, that was long. Jeez. Uh, so, yeah, that was his manifesto that he wrote. And I believe there was something like down at the bottom, like. I will such and such do whatever. I don't know. Whatever. But, yeah. So, that's what he wrote. That was um, weird about the old ladies gossiping. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're from the South. They yeah. Do that's that. what I was thinking. Of. Yeah. Yeah. The Southern ladies. So, Luke Woodham took the stand in two separate trials. He got a trial for killing his mother, and then he got a trial for the shootings, obviously. Neither of which his father or his brother attended. Um, in trial... They actually had the trial in Neshoba County, um, which I believe is Hattiesburg, I believe, because they moved it because, like, the news and, like, everything was just crazy around here. So they moved it there. Um, And he went into the... he He went into the Genesis Friendships and described, like, all the boys and... And all the things, and he talked about how, you know, he thought he was 
connected to some sort of satanic thing because of that boy that got hit by the car. Mm. Just is weird. Um, you can read the entire. I'm not, but you can read his entire being on stand thing. I could have just read that honestly and called it today, but um, you can find that somewhere like his entire transcript of him on stand saying all yeah. the things that he said. He sobbed and he cried and he apologized and blah 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 blah. He would also say that um, he had an accomplice, but he would never say who it was. There was a hair that was found at his mother's, like, um, by his mother's body, like on the wall hmm. somewhere. And they couldn't identify it as his or his mom's, but that doesn't mean much. I mean, yeah, they could what if she had a, his friends. What if she had a uh, boyfriend or something, you know? Yeah. So it was also during his trial that a psychologist from New Mexico would explain how, from his point of view, the 16 year old boy would actually be able to do all this. Dr. Mike Jepson had conducted an interview with Luke months before the, sh um, after the shooting, sorry. And Jepson reported that Luke had told him of seeing demons the summer of 1997. Uh, could it have been the fact that he was dabbling in Satanism? Maybe. Could it have been the fact that he was trying to get off on uh, of, on being crazy? Yeah. Maybe. maybe. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we don't know. Upon a series of tests, which included... Uh, Jepson doing like all these different psychological tests and everything he did realize that he had borderline personality disorder obviously I mean you have to be some sort of crazy to kill your parents and kill your mom and all this, do all this other shit um, but he said that Luke was not suffering from delusions he was not suffering from uh, any kind of hysteria or anything that would make him do this he didn't have split personality disorder he clearly knew what he was doing so you know. Okay, so he wasn't crazy? No. But he tried to get off. He wasn't crazy. That's he crazy. tried to get off on that. Yeah. He, well, he didn't try to get off. He just probably tried to get into like a... Psycho. Whitfield or something yeah. like that. But no. It was a dark... It was dark when Luke was found guilty of murdering his mother. The... Because the electricity had went out in the courtroom. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. The 12 jurors deliberated for only three hours on this stormy Friday afternoon in Philadelphia, Mississippi. So this one was in Philadelphia, the one with his mother. Okay, so it wasn't Hattiesburg. I was wrong. They would return in a quiet courtroom and they would um, find him guilty of... He was sentenced to life in prison. And I believe he was sentenced to... Let me look. It's a hundred and some odd oh, life in prison plus 140 years. Yeah. Hmm. They were like, eh, fuck this guy. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he was then ushered out of the courtroom, escorted by a small army in a bulletproof vest. And the press was like swarming him and all this other stuff. And that was that. I believe that Boyette did go to court. Um, he got, I believe he only got... Let me look. Because I cannot remember. Mm -hmm. What's that movie? I believe he was sentenced to five years. And then there was another boy that was sentenced to something. Yeah, because Boyette was, uh, he was an adult. I mean, he was, in he, was in, he was in college. I forgot to mention that. He went to Heinz. 
He was a Hans. He, lo- he looks like the guy from Charlie's Angels. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Thin Man or whatever the, thin the man, yeah. name is. Um, so, yeah. It's been 24 years since the shooting. He's still... He's not going to be on parole or anything? Like he's, oh. No. So, he did try to um, get paroled mm-hmm. uh, back in... Oh, gosh. What was that? It wasn't too long ago. Maybe, like, five, six years ago? I don't know. Something like that. No, it was probably longer than that. It was when Haley Barber was our mayor, it was our governor. Um, and Haley was like, <laughs> negative. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were like, no, you're not getting out. Um, we don't fuck around in Mississippi. Uh, if you do something real bad, we're going to put you back for life. Like, you're just going to stay yeah. there. And you we think care. you're getting out, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, oh, it's cute, but you're not getting out. Um, there was this guy that actually, I think I mentioned this on another podcast, but he raped. It was in here. Oh, yeah. And um, he broke into a house and raped, raped two girls. Two and girls. Grandma? No. No. And um, they put him out for life. Yeah. He got life without without the possibility of parole. They were like, yeah. Fuck your chicken strips. You can go straight to prison. <laughs> That's you what they need there. to do. Yeah. Because the next thing would be murder. Oh, yeah. For sure. It would just. And he probably would have murdered burned. them if they wouldn't have called him. But, yeah. So, I believe that at Pearl High School, even to this day, I think there's a plaque um, with the girls' names on it in memory of the girls. I'm, I think I think that there's a plaque there. Um, I can't remember. But Jeff Cannon, the um, band director, the one that, you know, remembers all of this. Oop! Sorry. I had to throw my gum away. Go ahead. Um, he said the nightmare still come every year around October. Mm-hmm. He still sees the lifeless face of Lydia and Christina all those years later. He can still walk he can still walk you to the exact spot where the two girls were standing and where they were killed. But that, according to Mr. Jeff, isn't the point of the story. The true message is the awful day. The true message of that awful day is that how Pearl overcame it all. And that's one thing, like, we're a seriously, like, we're a really tight community, and, I mean, I love living here. The kids are really close, you know, and the, the school's super awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they definitely overcame some craziness. But I just, yeah, wanted to talk about Luke Woodham, because there's not very many people that know a lot about it, and he's, like, the first shooter, because that was, that happened... 1997. Then in 1998, that was when I was in third grade, and that was when there was a school shooting in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And we might talk about that one because that one was crazy. Um, it was yeah. a junior high. No, it was a middle school, and the middle the people that did the shooting were 13 and 11, and they were like outside in the woods, and they pulled a fire alarm. I don't want to talk too much about it, but they pulled a fire alarm, and as the kids were coming out, because they thought it was either a drill or they thought it yeah. was a fire, they started opening fire from the woods wow, at all these kids. Crazy. A 13 and 11-year-old. That's how old my child is. <laughs> um, I beat an ass. Yeah. And then he'd go to jail for the rest of his life. But I would Be beat like, his sir, ass. let me just beat his ass before you go to, yeah. before he goes to jail. Like, let me get a good lashing in, okay? I bet the cops would be like, okay. Uh, yeah. Um... But yeah, so after that, 
because my you know my our grandmother uh great grandmother used to live she's passed away now um but our great grandmother lived in Jonesboro Arkansas so when that happened my mom was like fuck this shit she pulled me out of school so from like I didn't go to school fourth fifth and sixth grade I was homeschooled and then she finally let me go back but um yeah it's crazy because that happened and then in 1999 was Columbine and it was just like back to back to back I couldn't um, imagine because it would be like and that was just a year just imagine you've never heard of a school shooting done by students and then all of a sudden it's happening mm -hmm. randomly 97, 98, 99. Columbine was a big one because that was in Colorado and that was when they like pretty much held the school hostage and uh, it was a high school and I think there was I think they even bombed part of it or something like that. It was it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so this was a long one. We're at an hour, you guys. <laughs> well, but the lesson is don't don't bully anybody don't bully people um not saying that that gives him an excuse to do what he did yeah, absolutely still, not but i'm just saying that you know bullying is stuff. not it just makes things worse why yeah. would you even do that it makes it things make worse look cool. um but also i mean he's still alive he's still in prison today i don't know which prison uh i can figure that he's out real quick like i think something. he's a i think he's at uh, da, 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 the one by know. the driver the um over there no i don't think yeah. he's there i think he's still in parchman i'm not exactly sure but um yeah i do know <laughs> that was funny 2010 i believe that was when he tried to he requested oh no that's what it was in 2010 he requested clemency from Governor Haley Barber, which means, like, will you please let me get out? Yeah. Because I'm... He claims he's a Reformed Christian. He could be. I mean, he was 16 when he did this. Um, but, of course, he rejected his request, and he was like, no, I'm good. I'm sure it was real quick. Like, no. But, Bye. um... I think he did also try to go up for parole, and, of course, he was denied there, too. And he also gets, you know, psychologists and all this stuff evaluate him so if he really wasn't able to get out then they would be like no you're not able he is eligible for parole in 2046 he'll be 65 so maybe they'll let him out then I mean he'll be you know really old so <laughs> maybe they, I don't know maybe so anyways well we hope that you guys um didn't enjoy today's episode because you can't really enjoy that but just found it interesting um, because I did, because I didn't know all those things about him, and I didn't know that it was the first ever um, official shooting shooting do, by a student. a student. I was like, wow. By a student, yeah. But you know, we always here in Mississippi, we're we're always on the top of the ranking list for the worst, worst shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Couldn't have the best like, I don't know. Anything. We anything. don't have anything else. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're the worst drivers in the United States. Do you know that? Worst. Really? Uh, yeah. I know we have a really high STD rate. Oh! Woo. <laughs> yeah! We're just the worst. Um, and I know that um, a crime rate, I don't know how high. I, I mean, we're not as high as, like, some other places. But, you know, for, like, Jackson and all that, it's it's high, but it's not that high. I think it's, like, I think we're ranked number 10 or something like that better than two or one um i could be wrong about that though could have went up i don't know 
Anyways, okay, guys. Well, be sure to go to um, Levi Royce. We're going to put that down below. Go to that Etsy website. You can get 15% off when you use code LOVELYFREAKS. Do that. Do all that jazz. We're going to have it down there so you guys can know what we're talking about. Also, um, next week, we will have an episode. We... I'm not sure if it's going to be a new episode or if it's going to be one we've done. It's probably going to be a new one. I thought about putting our BTK stuff on there because we haven't done BTK. But we're going out of town Monday. We're hitting the road. We're going to the mountains. So if we don't have a new episode, it will be an episode that we've had before. We've done BTK on our YouTube, but we've never done it on our Spotify and all that. And I really wanted to try to get that one out there. But I don't know. It's up to Hannah if she wants to record another one before we leave or not. Because I'm not taking all our stuff. I will be taking my laptop, but I'm not taking our microphone and stuff. So, okay. Um, unless we want to record, we could we could we go in record. the woods and record with the bears. Woo! Yeah. Get murdered. <laughs> I don't know. We could do that. Anyways, we'll have an episode for you guys next week. If it's not a new one, it'll be BTK. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Anything you can yeah. think of? Okay. That's it. We missed you guys. And we will see you guys later. Bye. Bye.